Welcome to the You Collective podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have Pri Walia with us. Uh, Pri is an entrepreneur and inventor. And Pri, thank you so much for joining us here at You Collective.、Um, I would love to have you to tell our audience a little bit about your amazing path. Yeah, thank you for having me, Joyce.、Um, I really appreciate it. And, and Joyce and I go a bit back. We went to business school together.、Right. So we've known each other for, for a number of years. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think Joyce has gotten to have a, a little bit of an inside journey,、uh, inside look as to my path and my journey. But yeah, my, you know, my name is Pri Walia. I'm the CEO and co founder of a startup called Pri Madonna. We're based here in the Bay Area.、Um, But my journey you know, definitely began before the Bay Area. But let me tell you a little bit about Prima Donna. Prima Donna is the maker of Nailbot.、Um, it's a patented nail robot and intelligent manicure line that's really meant to disrupt the $15 billion nail care industry. And our first Nailbot, it really inspires creative expression. It prints fun art and photos and fingernails in about five seconds. And you can imagine our future Nailbots or our future AI Nailbots will print full polish. Um, but I think kind of the magic of what you know, we've been building here at Prima Donna and what I realized was the purpose of, of really my path、uh, was to really inspire the next generation of young women, especially Gen Z and young millennial girls、uh, are, and women that are really makers,、uh, who crave self expression, that love designing digital art, that love making and tinkering. And so while the Nailbot's really kind of that first, first gateway product,、um, we definitely have other creative. Innovative hardware solutions that we're introducing to them、um, down the road. So, I guess maybe to answer your question, my path has been non traditional, but in, you know, on my path, I've really found my purpose, which is really connecting and inspiring、um, and mentoring the next generation of young women. That's amazing. So,、um, you've worked in, at politics, you, you've Being on the ground,、uh, really helping、uh, individuals to build campaigns, I think.、Um, yeah. You've been, yeah. You worked at startups, you have built amazing, I think, hardware products. So, I, like, tell us more、uh, about that, you know, that journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say, you know, when I look back at my career or, the, or, or my path, you know, I grew up in the South. I you know, grew up in Louisiana, Mississippi. I, you know, I think I'm, I'm a girl's girl. <laughs>、uh, I have two older sisters. I've always been pretty, I, I think, what people consider as like traditionally girly or what you would traditionally think of feminine if, if, if there are some cultural analogies. So I think, oh, you know, I just, I was in a sorority in college, but, you know, I was also, I went to Northwestern. You know, I, 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 I was a smart girl, right? I liked feeling、yeah. pretty, but in whatever, you know, what, however you can want to put those, those definitions, but I really loved pushing my mind, right?、Um, and, you know, you and I both met at the University of Chicago, but my big passion in my 20s、uh, and in my teens was actually American politics.、Um, and I often say, you know, in, in your career, there are, you know, oftentimes you start off finding your passion, which can then lead you to your purpose. Uh, if that makes sense. So,、yeah. in my 20s, it was really about exploring my passion. In my early 20s, I worked in politics. I worked for a congressional campaign in rural Arizona. I worked、uh, at the DCCC in Washington, D.C. I moved out to the Bay Area、uh, when I was around 22, 23, and I worked for a politician who was running for governor.、Uh, he didn't win. Actually, in many of my, my political races that I worked on, the candidates did not win. But 
one of the most amazing things about being young and being inspired by other people, especially in politics, is that you know, these are almost like mini startups, right? You're inspired by someone's vision of the future. You are building something very quickly, right? You know, with other young people. And you, in some ways, have an advantage because you have an end date. You have election day or you have a fundraising deadline. Right. And for me, those early lessons in politics about resilience, about picking yourself up when you fail, about really you know, being motivated by a leader and that leader then putting together kind of a you know, a general with an army around it and then kind of that, that kind of community mobilization. All of those lessons in my early 20s really served me well later when I wanted, you know, when I really started to build my own startup. Um, but so my early career was in politics and I really learned how to mobilize in a grassroots way. Um, and then, you know, I, I feel like I got a pretty sound um, foundation in business at the University of Chicago. Um, I, I don't know if Joyce remembers this, but you were definitely my tutor in accounting. Uh, so that, that, that definitely helped me later on. Um, but I think, you know, UChicago is a little bit of, a, of an anomaly in terms of my, if you look at my, my path or my pattern, right. I really tried to do something that would challenge me. You know, I had a very strong liberal arts background from Northwestern and, you know, from working in politics. And I really wanted to go somewhere um, for business school that would really challenge me. And I felt like UChicago would do that. And it did. Um, but, you know, I, a lot of times when I hear about people's, you know, I, I look at some of the, the other interviews that people have given. And, I, you know, I think oftentimes when we think of paths, we think of linear paths, right? Because it, it, that look, you know, it looks great. <laughs> but my path wasn't, my path has not been linear. Um, right. And it wasn't linear in my 20s. And it definitely hasn't been linear in my 30s. So, you know, during business school, I had a really hard time getting an internship, Joyce. Like I, I tried right. that. <laughs> because people at that time, I think, had the perception of what a resume should, should look like coming out of business school. Yeah. And you didn't really fit that model. No, I, I didn't. And you know, you know, when you're in business school, you also try to make all your resumes look alike in terms of the format and, you know, the headings. So it's, it was very interesting. In some ways, I felt like I was really trying to conform and which was, you know, I, I tried it. I learned a lot. I would get some of these interviews, but I didn't get a job that summer. So I had to be pretty entrepreneurial. And, you know, I would always been entrepreneurial. I've always kind of made my own desk. So I ended up, you know, I had pretty strong relationships out in the Valley. I, you know, my old boss, uh, he had invested in a company um, that was an LED lighting and control startup. And it was called Lunera. And I ended up being one of the very early employees at that startup. I did anything and everything you could imagine. I think when they heard that I, I worked in politics, they thought I could do some of their grant writing, which I actually had no idea how to do. But I said, sure, I will do it. Um, and then they realized I was really good at sales. You know, I had no shame in figuring out how this light was made, what the value prop would be, if it needed a utility rebate, and just really understanding the entire you know sales channel and how to market this thing and who those control partnerships should be with. And so, you know, throughout the course of of that summer internship, I actually ended up working for them my second year of business school remotely, and then I joined Lunera, that startup, full time after after business school. And so there you can see, you know, for a couple of years before business school, I worked all over the country in politics and a lot of crazy jobs, went to B school, and then I'm working at this startup selling lights. Uh, my parents are very concerned at the time, but I said, <laughs> no, no, I, you know, yes, I have a light show in the trunk of my car, um, but it really kind of helped me perfect the art of a live demo. 
you know, and fundamentally, Lunera was a connected hardware company, right? It was right. trying to be, a, a, you know, it's was really looking at, you know, smart, you know, smart automation uh, and building automation um, in, in a clever way. And so I think for me, being young, being 25, 26, 27, you know, in that space and learning, I think the best thing you can do when you're in your 20s and you're trying to find your passion or trying to kind of figure out where your path is going like that's a time to learn, right? You learn yeah. from other people. Um, you learn from your own mistakes. Ideally, you learn from other people's mistakes. Um, and the, the the great thing about it is that your you know your potential is huge, right? So, I worked at that startup for a number of years. I had so many different jobs you can imagine. We manufactured it in in the Bay Area and also overseas. Um, you know, I learned how to sell lights, fix lights, make lights. It was it was really incredible. Um, and it was around this time. Um, I, you know, if I'm telling you, I was working on LED lights, I actually started to see all these LED dryers hit the market. They were meant for like at home gel manicures. Mm. Um, you know, I think you may know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, or, or, and I was like, ah, that's an interesting use case for kind of LED technology meant to cure a fingernail. Here I am trying to sell a two by two, a two by four fixture with controls. And I've got to sell this you know, return on investment to a building owner or to an electrician. And it was, you know, it was, a, it was a complicated sale. And, you know, as a woman, I was willing to buy an LED dryer kit for $99 to $199, right? And it was sold with polishes. And I thought, this is very clever. And I started to put these pieces together and connect the dots. And I was like, I'm, go I'm going to build the nail bot. I'm going to build <laughs> many nail bots. But, you know, what I learned in, you know, on my path in hardware startups was, you know, it's very difficult to build brand differentiation in kind of the building space, right? Um, a, a few companies have been able to do it. Like you see Nest, um, you see Dropcam, you see Ring. But, you know, for, for those three, there's a whole host of others that you don't know about, right? <laughs> um, and so I said, you know, if you actually look at the industries where, you really, you actually lead with brand, you lead with community, you lead with a founder's story. Um, it actually is, it's in beauty, it's in fashion, it's in, it's women, especially like we, we look to the founders for authenticity and for credibility, right? Um, and so I said, the Nailbot is, is not going to be the company name. It's, you know, but it's trademarked, right? For, for, for us, it's going to be a product kind of category. And I said, you know, I want the company to be called Prima Donna. And, um, you know, I Googled it, I was available to get it on GoDaddy and I was like, and, and we are in business. Um, and so I, I really set out in this journey, Joyce, a number of years ago. And, you know, I think I was, timing was early, but I was, you know, I'm a big believer in stay alive as long as possible until the market hits and the market is right. And then you're in a really interesting position. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the pieces of my path and the story have actually, I think, been the story of kind of you know, my personal life and my career. So, you know, I put everything I kind of know into this company, which is, you know, how we're going to market has really been in a grassroots way. I use all my political experience to think about, okay, yes, we'll use crowdfunding, but how can we mobilize kind of preteen and teen girls and young millennial girls to really be our ambassadors, right? Can they host nail parties? Can they help us bring this product to market? And then, you know, on the other side, I really used all of my startup hardware experience to figure out how we could, with such a lean team, build this device from ground up. Um, 
And then I will say, you know, I didn't spend years of my life working on the nail bot for the nail bot to only have in prima donna one purpose. If you want the nail bot to decorate your nails, that is awesome. But if you want to learn more about the nail bot and get involved, you know, the nail bot's powered by your smartphone. So we use the back facing camera, the size your fingernail, but fundamentally we want you to design, create, share, and sell your art. And so we really want to, you know, empower digital designers and train a younger generation how to use digital art, eventually code their own art, and maybe even make their own nail bots. Uh, and so we have different kinds of ambassador programs according to that. Um, so yeah. I'm going off on a tangent, but I think you can see. No, you know, I my, love that. When I think about our path, I've really, I, I think about, you know, why I've been working on this company for so long. And, you know, we really want to get the nail bots out in the field. I think actually in the in the current environment, people are going to love the nail bot because you don't you can you can be at home during this quarantine and have fun with it. Yeah, we're doing this during the coronavirus for our exactly. audience. Yeah, uh, exactly. exactly. So uh, you know, I always felt that you know, pre that you're you're ahead of your time. Uh, you know, you talked about your your experience um, at the company, the startup that. Uh, designed and manufactured uh, LED light, and you know, for the general audience, you you did that um, ten years ago, approximately ten years ago, and that's really when uh, you know the U.S. government and um, kind of start to push uh, for LED light use mm -hmm. and 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 smart lighting, etc. And so you were really ahead of the curve, and I know that when you called me a couple of years ago and said, Joyce, like I have this idea about building a bot, a robot to help, uh, you know, bring uh, both creative and the instrumentation of, uh, you know, getting nails done to at the individual level and automate that. I was like, wow, you know, again, like you, I think this was even before people um, started talking about robotics as a particular category uh, where they can actually build products around in different verticals for investors of all kinds to go after these robotic companies. So, you know, again, I think you're, you're ahead of your time. And of course, I think a lot of you didn't share is a lot of the things that you've done personally, um, whether it's go to uh, Shenzhen, China, to really figure out the supply chain and yep. uh, recruit uh, individuals to work with you in um, you know early stage startup environment where um, you know uh, resource is always a constraint. Tell us about that experience. Like, how do you how do you juggle all these different things? How do you um, you know manage these uh, these all kinds of factors as, as a founder? In a, in a robotic company. Yeah, so I would say, so a couple things. You know, I think, think, you know, any technology that requires kind of consumer education, um, you know, coupled with advancements in hardware and software applications definitely requires like a robust ecosystem to be built around that technology. And so when you, you know, when you kind of hinted, I'm like, a head, you know, I was thinking about this early, but, you know, the whole ecosystem needs to be there, right, in order for, you know, a nail bot or a tattoo bot or a craft bot to really, you know, make a huge, to really be adopted by a consumer. And I, I have this fundamental belief that it's a little bit like when you, you know, when you see a Roomba, you think of a vacuum cleaner, you don't think of a robot necessarily, right? 
And but that's how you know that it is that that robot has made such an impact. Does that make sense? And like I I feel like we're doing the same thing with Nailbot uh, and with our other creative expression products, where it's going to become such a mainstay in your life, and you don't even realize that it's a robot, right? And I think that's how you know it's successful. I think oftentimes the groundwork for that is it's just laid much earlier on. And I, I think having been and worked in politics, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times people say like, how did this politician come out of nowhere? And the, the groundwork for that politician to have become president was that he had, you know, run eight years ago and at another race. And so I, I feel like I've just been very patient with timing and have been able to understand a little bit of the ecosystem. But I think a lot of it is luck. But I think your other question was, more, you know, I have so many pieces of this puzzle, right? So we've got hardware, we have software, we have manufacturing. You know, I did go through a hardware accelerator called Hacks. Uh, I did live in Shenzhen, China, as you mentioned, when we were still in stealth. It was a very interesting experience. I didn't do an international MBA at uh, U Chicago. It was one of my biggest regrets, but I do think I got that living in Shenzhen. There is something about being on the ground as a CEO and knowing that even if you're not going to be in the factory while they're building, you know enough as to what is happening. Um, and I will say that to anyone really pursuing a venture, especially any type of hardware venture, you know, in the early days when there's so few people, if you can be a Jill or Drack of many trades, at least at kind of an elementary level, it's super powerful. You know, because I, I really do think I've I've done every single role in the company at some point, and because of that, I can then hire. Um, it doesn't work for everyone. If you're able to raise a ton of capital early on and you have multiple co-founders super early, you know, you can all play different roles. But if you really are that sole founder or that person that starts with a vision that also has to execute with a very small amount of cash, it, it does help to be early, number one, to stay alive uh, and then to really play a lot of different roles. I would definitely say that the one thing that's really gotten me through is that you know, we have very supportive investors. Um, and, you know, I would say our one of my my board members is Jesse Draper. She's a partner at Halogen Ventures. You know, Jesse didn't invest in me immediately. I've known her for a number of years. I pitched her a number of times and she really saw, you know, my grit and resiliency and and the vision of the company and the other young women and men that I'd recruited along the way. And so I would like to, I guess I would also say like things that have kept me going and how I've been able to do this is just a lot of grit and a lot of resiliency yeah. because, you know, you have to wait and some, sometimes you have to wait for the market to be ready or you either move on. And for me, I, I, I feel like we've had the patience um, and it hasn't always been easy to kind of wait, right, to, to, to raise for milestones if we didn't raise a ton of capital, attempt to meet those milestones to the best of our ability and then wait for the market to be right or for investors to pay attention and for consumers to really want something. Um, so hopefully that answers your question a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that, that definitely does. Um, the other question I had is, you know, you kind of mentioned this before, cause like, you know, you came to me one day, you said, Joyce, like, I, I need some help on this. I need some help on this other thing. And I think you have done similar things um, with other individuals Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it always occurred to me that you, you know what your strengths are and you know what um, help you need. And I think that's actually a very important quality for entrepreneurial CEOs to know what, uh, what they need 
to help them accelerate. Um, but there is also, you know, it balances with confidence of founders and confidence CEOs. So how do you, you know, what advice would you give to entrepreneurial CEOs uh, to kind of take stock of their own uh, kind of skill, uh, skills and, and, and so forth? Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, I'm very humbled. Like, thank you for saying that. But Joyce, you are a rock star. So for those of you listening, Joyce actually helped me with some of my financial models, and she's a whiz at it. Um, and I, I knew that in business school as well. So I would say one of the biggest things I, I've done that's been super helpful is take advantage of my network. And I think a lot of people say, well, what if I don't have my own network? There, it's very easy to build an online and offline network. And I learned that in politics. Mm. You know, you're always meeting people from different walks of life, you know, some that are volunteers, some that are, you know, major dollar donors, you know, at, you know, others that are tech advisors. And it's really to be genuinely interested in that person um, to see what you also have to offer them, right? Are you a connector? Are you an influencer? You know, can I, I'm a big fan of, you know, just learning as much as you can from other people along your journey and on your path, because you'll start to connect the dots later on, if that makes sense, right? You know, when, when I met you, did I, did I know that I was going to start a company and I was going to need help on the on my business model? Absolutely not. But I've always known that you were such an amazing, like quantitative mind. Um, and you just saw things in a different way than I did. Um, I will say that I think, so I think the power of a network is a big one I do think that's the ability if, you know, it's kind of to fail early in your career. And I know that sounds really, you know, a lot of people don't like saying that. And I think also at business school, we never really talked a lot about failure because right. for, for whatever reason, but, you know, on those political campaigns, I, you know, I definitely, the first one was really tough for me. Um, I was on the ground in rural Arizona, you know, some, in some of the roles I was, you know, I shined and others, I really struggled. And also the politicians, some of the politicians that I worked for lost. So that meant that we didn't, ha I didn't have a job after election day, right? I needed to go and, and find a new job and pick myself up. Or if we didn't meet our goals on, on fundraising day, we were really in a bind the next quarter. So right. I think I, I really, you know, I learned the, you know, these perceived failures really lead to resource resourcefulness. Right. I, I, I think there is something about that. And I think if you do it when you're younger um, or more regularly, it's not, you know, you don't view it as um, you don't really view it as a, as a failure. You view it more as a setback that can lead to your future success. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I would say is that, like, I also think if you're not, you know, if your first time you're failing is when you start your, you know, if you're in your 30s and you start your company. Well, you know, come on. You got to take some more risk than that. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. True, yeah, I, I, a true entrepreneur. Um, well, Pre, tell us, uh, as a last question, tell us how people can find more about Pre Madonna and an initiative that you're building. And if they want to get on a waiting list for the Nailbot, how do they do that? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. You can go to nailbot.com, N-A-I-L-B-O-T.com or literally primadonna.com and just put in your email. You'll get an email straight back from me on the website. Um, and yes, definitely stay tuned. We are deep into our release for tooling and for manufacturing. It's been a long time coming, but we're committed to this, this product. 
Um, and in terms of, you know, how to get more involved, you'll be able to see how to get involved as an ambassador, get your girls involved. And then also I want to say, I actually am on the board of a nonprofit called Maker Girl. And a lot of these Maker Girls are also prima donnas. Um, and we teach girls ages seven to 11 STEM principles, mainly through hands-on 3D printing sessions. Um, we've done a couple of nail bot sessions as well. And so, you know, if you're interested at all in that, go to Maker Girl, just Google Maker Girl, you're gonna see all the sessions that are available. Awesome, so go to Nailbot, go to Prima Donna, look up Maker Girl, um, you know, a couple of things you said, passion leads to purpose, resilience, yes. continuous learning, uh, stay motivated, have patience, be open. Uh, it's not about uh, having failures, it's about kind of learning from setbacks. These are all amazing advice. I think it applies to anyone, everyone, whether they listen to you, collect or not. Great. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've seen the demo of your product. I love it. Um, and people should really check out. It's, it's really, really cool. And so um, thank you again. And uh, we we'll want you be back here soon and uh, give us a, a real uh, live demo. Yeah, I would love it. And be safe and healthy. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.